What's up? It's episode 89, Pain Points of Wealth. Recession, no recession. I know you're tired of talking about it. I'm tired of talking about it. The media can't stop talking about it. Well, we're gonna give you our views today. Look, the employment numbers were hot last week, red hot. We got over 11 million jobs available in this country, only over 5 million people looking. We're suspect about this recession. We're gonna break it down for you today. And on the tipping point, we're gonna talk about the hard truths about financial independence that you're gonna to have to grapple with, you're gonna to have to deal with if you wanna be financially free. Check it out, we got a great show. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth. Giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod. Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. Hey guys, this might be the most highly anticipated recession in history. Every talking head that I watch is either saying we're in recession, we're going into recession, the second quarter is going to be down, we'll be in recession by the end of 2022, we'll be in recession in 2023, we'll be in recession forever. It's never going to end. That's all you hear right now. But you know what? This is the most unusual recession I've ever seen where you have 11 million job openings, as you just said, Rye. We just had tremendous job creation on Friday. So if there's a recession going on, why are people hiring? If I was watching all this in a vacuum or just watching all the sailing trips that Chris went on, I would think the economy is pretty good. But it's the media. You know, the media just makes everything seem more dire than it is. It doesn't matter what the economic data is. It's like it's filtered through this like negative spectrum. It doesn't matter what it is. It's interpreted as negative. And that's why it's so hard because the market's down. Your portfolio may be down. But then add the media on top of that telling you that everything's the worst it's ever been makes it really, really hard to be a long-term investor. And you know what, Ryan? I've been hearing that a lot from our clients, you know, doing annual reviews the last couple of weeks and everybody's saying the same thing. It's worse than it's ever been. The other thing I'm noticing is that a lot of our clients are starting to accumulate a ton of cash. And the answer is always the same about why they're keeping so much cash. And it's because things are so bad. I want to wait for that right time for when the market starts to go up. We'll get in when the market starts to go up. Well, Chris, you know, of course they feel that way. It's been a brutal year. I mean, the first six months of this year, everything was down. Everything but commodities, oil, or cash, right? So the instinct is, well, maybe I should just sit back and wait and see and wait for things to settle down. But you know what, guys? Markets don't settle down. They settle up. No, that's a great point. It's always a quick turnaround. And when it happens, it catches you off guard. That's why you have to take advantage of the carnage while it's here, right? Because once you have clarity, and we've talked about this a lot, all the opportunity is lost. And, you know, in the meantime, it's like, why is everyone so dour? <laughs> you know, it's good that we're creating jobs. It's good that Americans' household net worth is at the highest level peer that's ever been before. People have more equity in their home than they've ever had before, and they're locked in at some of the lowest interest rates we've ever had historically. So there's a lot of good, a lot of positives out there. They're just being completely ignored right now. And at some point, all those negatives that you hear right now, that frown's going to turn upside down. Once the market goes up again, all of a sudden, everyone's going to get really, really rosy with their outlook, and that point's too late. You know, we had the 2008, 2009 financial crisis, right? Where you had the housing market go from boom to bust. You had the 2000 tech bubble where you had capital spending go from boom to bust. There's nothing going from boom to bust here. We're in a red hot economy. The Federal Reserve is just trying to slow it down. They get their foot on the brake right now. We just hope they don't keep it on too long or drive the economy over the cliff. We have to hope our boy Jerome Powell continues to do a good job. Quite frankly, I think he's doing a good job and I'm starting to see signs of slowing everywhere. 
And that's right. If you start looking at the commodity markets, right? Lumber costs have come down significantly. Copper prices have come down. Oil, as we're recording this, has come down like $20, you know, over the course of just the last like two weeks. So you're right, Bob. I mean, you're definitely starting to see a little bit of that softening in prices, and that could be very, very good, right? That's what we want to see. That's what the Fed wants to see. And if we see that, and the Fed doesn't have to keep raising interest rates all year, this could have huge positive implications later on in the year. I have to agree, right? Because, you know, Chris, when you look at, is it a recession or is it a slowdown, right? It's really semantics. And I believe that if we do have a recession, it's going to be really mild, right? I think it's going to be something that's going to be short-lived. You know, just think about the summers. Summers have been longer, winters have been shorter. And every recession and expansionary period that I've lived through, you know, expansions last three to four times what recessions last. So think about this slowdown. It's going to be a short winter, but you're going to look forward to a long summer. Well, you know what? I would be willing to bet on those odds, Dad. And I'll tell you what, you know, if you look at our clients, everybody's living their life just like they always have. I mean, all my clients are going on vacation this summer. A couple of my clients are renting houses at the shore. Another one of my clients just bought a place. So people's lives really aren't changing. Even with the increase of gas, people are still spending money. Well, that's inflationary, right? If you keep paying up for prices, no matter how high, that continues to increase inflation. So that can be a negative short term, which is kind of weird, right? That's why it makes investing so hard. It's so counterintuitive. Good news is bad news. Sometimes bad news is good news, right? We had good news on the job numbers on Friday, but for a lot of investors, they had bad news because the Fed's going to have to keep their pedal to the metal. And that's really the problem, right, with the media is it's just you get this barrage of negative news and it just totally discounts the fact that there's a lot of positives out there. I mean, look at earnings. You know, we got the earnings seasons upon us here. And for all intents and purposes, it's probably going to be pretty good. I mean, you're going to have some revisions downward for some companies, but for the most part, the projections looking out the rest of the year should be pretty solid. So you've got earnings growth, you've got low unemployment, you've got Americans sitting on their highest net worth ever. But meanwhile, all we can hear about is how we're having the slowdown, how we're about to fall off a cliff, and it just doesn't jive, which was actually happening right now in the economy. And I think you know a lot of people are going to regret it later, not taking advantage of the uncertainty right now. These uncertainty is your best friend as an investor, and when you look back, these are always your best opportunities. Well, that's a really good point, Ryan, about earnings. You know, one of the things I've noticed, especially doing annual reviews for clients, is that the income that their portfolios are that that they're generating has gone up. You know, because rates have gone up. So you know, another reason not to sit in cash is that, you know, even while we're waiting for the market to go back up, you're still making more money from cash flow. And that's the problem with the financial media, right? I call it the yeah, but media. You talk about the fact that the PE ratio dropped almost 30% on the S&P. So we're now at an average PE ratio of the S&P going back over history. But, you know, the analysts and the strategists will say, yeah, but, you know, earnings haven't been cut. So you have a period now where there are some headwinds, right? You have high interest rates, high inflation, wage inflation. You got a strong dollar. These are things that are headwinds, but you know, over the next couple of months to a year, they could become tailwinds. So suddenly you have something that's a negative turns into a positive. You just don't know when that's going to happen. That's why you can't be on the sidelines. Here's the other problem too. You know, we're already hearing about, we're going to get a soft labor market. I don't know how that's going to happen with 11 million job openings, but that's just me. You know, there's concerns. Consumer confidence is really low right now. We know that you know, consumers are drawing into their savings that they saved up during the pandemic. We know that the housing market could slow. We know that businesses could slow their capital expenditure. We know that inflation may not go down. We know that the Fed's aggressive. Uh, we might have a recession, you know, and the list goes on. But the fact we're talking about it means it's already priced into the market. It gives you no good to know this information because the market knows more than you and I. It's smarter than us, guys. Well, you know, all I can do is come up with some old Bobisms, which I stole from somebody else. It's always darkest before the dawn. 
be greedy when everybody else is fearful. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 89, Pain Points of Wealth. If you like our content, love it. We're almost at 100,000 downloads. Help us get there. Give us a like. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. If this is on YouTube right now, click the like button. You can click the subscribe button and click that notification bell. Do you update every week of all our new content? Thank you for your support. Your support gives us the ability to continue to do this podcast and let us know what you want us to talk about. Leave us a comment. Let us know what financial issues you have you want us to address right here on the show. All right, gentlemen, it's the tipping point. This is where we pinpoint the pain point having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. And Bob and Chris, you know, we've learned over the collective 75 years that we've done this and the 2,000 or so families that we manage that when we're helping people achieve their path to financial independence, there's no way to get around uncertainty, right? It's like I wish we could just make it so easy and, and all the variables could just be taken out of the equation but part of financial independence and part of financial freedom is you have to become somewhat comfortable with the fact that things are always a little uncertain. Yeah, right. That's why it's so critical to have a process-driven strategy when it comes to investing your money versus an event-driven strategy, right? If you depend on what's the Federal Reserve going to do next, you know, the market's counterintuitive. It's already anticipated that. So you're going to have a hard time making investment decisions based on reacting all the time to what's going on. So if you're process-driven, it gives you the ability to be unemotional and to be a little more pragmatic when it comes to strategy. Well, here's a great example of that, Dad. Last week, I was talking to a client of mine down in Florida, and he always asked me the same question when things are bad. Well, what do we do now, Chris? And my response is always the same. I said, well, everything that's working now is because of things that we did in the past. I said, you remember those commodities you didn't like? Well, we added money into that. I said, you remember those value stocks you didn't like? We added money into that. And all those things are outperforming the things that you liked in those times. So you know, it's all about being proactive, not reactive. Well, it's also about evidence-based portfolios. You know, we do have history as a guide. And although history doesn't always repeat, it does often rhyme. And what we found over time is good things happen to cheap stocks, right? And you don't get good prices with good news. And I'll tell you what, guys, news isn't really that great right now. So the prices are pretty darn good. No, it's, in a way, Bob, it is that simple. And that does drive me crazy because you'll hear people say, well, I'm not making a move my investments to. I know what the Fed's going to do. Or I just have to see that unemployment number on Friday before I make a decision. When someone says that, I know they have a lousy investment strategy. <laughs> you, know, you know that they've made a lot of bad decisions in the past and they're going to make more bad decisions in the future. Because you know, the one thing you have to ask yourself is when the markets are down like this, we're in a bear market and the uncertainty is really high, how emotional are you, right? And the odds are the more emotional you are, the less of a process-driven strategy that you have. You know, if you have a strategy that's built on your goals, that you know is long-term, that can look past the noise, and you're calm through the, all this turmoil, well, that's probably a sign you probably do have the right strategy in place or you have the right person advising you. But if you're emotional right now, man, that means you got to look at that strategy and make sure you have the right one. Right. I thought you made all of your best decisions when you were emotional, reacting to things. I thought that was the strategy. Especially after I've been drinking in the morning, Chris. It just adds an extra layer of good decision making. That was sarcasm, by the way. Well, if you don't start drinking in the morning, you can't drink all day. That's what I have to say. It's not stocks and bonds. It's scotch and bonds. <laughs> But, you know, that's where evidence-based strategies are critical. You know, I've been investing since 1975, and every correction, every bear market that I've experienced was met ultimately by new all-time record highs. So we were at an all-time record high, guys, in January. It was only six months ago. If we just go back to where we were, if it happens in a year, we're up 28%. If it happens in three years, it takes three years to get back to the all-time highs, you're going to make 10% a year. If it takes you five years, you're going to make close to 7% a year. Now, 
you may say, well, that's it's different this time, Bob. Well, I say is the world doesn't end very often. And if the world doesn't end, I think history is going to repeat. But I was going to say 7% returns are pretty good, but I'm getting 20% on my crypto. Oh, wait a second. Not anymore, buddy. Not anymore. Sounds like you're living in the past again. Oh, my goodness. And I thought crypto was the new digital gold. Turned out it was. It turned, yeah, because gold's a lousy investment too. But no, this is another good point is, look, I mean, everything you can learn about investing has happened before in the past, right? I mean, we've already been through periods like this. You know, one of the reasons last year on this podcast, we talked a lot about tech, disruptive technology and growth eventually getting hammered is because we've seen it before, right? We saw the tech bubble burst back in 2000. And a lot of the same events are playing out the same way. When we've had inflation in the past, we know commodities and energy, energy specifically as a commodity, are a great place to be. That's why we always have in our clients' portfolios, because we anticipated at some point we were going to have inflation again. So you, know, you can really go back into the past, and it tells you everything you need to know about the future. And if you can apply that, you're going to be a much better investor. It's almost like Ryan has a secret time machine we don't know about. I think he might. You know? And it, one thing I do know, Chris, is he was a nerd in high school, and now it's Revenge of the Nerds. Because now you can go to a cocktail party and brag about owning bonds that come due and owning stocks that pay dividends and been increasing their dividends you know, for the last 50, 60 years. You don't have to pretend that you own crypto or NFTs or SPACs. Sounds like a pretty exciting cocktail conversation. Well, I did go into that time machine. I went back in time and Bob's hair was the same. So go figure. Didn't learn much. But the other disappointing news, I guess, when it comes to financial independence is guess what? Your priorities aren't going to change, even though the market's down now. We might be going to a quote unquote recession. And maybe you're sticking your head in the sand because, you know, your portfolio doesn't look great right now. Well, your goals are still there. You know, they haven't gone away. So you know, I think I urge everybody right now, like more important than ever, and we said this in the last couple of podcasts, like this is the time to be proactive. You know, look at where your portfolio is allocated, make some decisions, reevaluate your long-term goals because they're still there. But I think, you know, there's a, a tendency, Chris, you're saying this a lot of clients just sitting in cash, waiting for that right time where you're missing a great opportunity and you're actually taking away from you getting to those goals that haven't changed, right? Sitting in cash running nothing is a problem here. This is the time to make those proactive decisions that are going to get you to your goals, maybe even faster. Well, that's why it's so important to have a process-driven strategy, which means you invest with the ends in mind, right? You're investing on purpose. You're investing because you need to overcome inflation with the appreciation of your assets. You need to invest because you need income to supplement your lack of earned income once you're retired. So you have to have the end in mind in order to invest properly, to stay invested, it's like you know having a tree, right? It, it takes 20 years to grow a tree. You don't chop it down every 20 years and start and plant a new one, hoping that you're going to have shade in your backyard. And Bob, you know, the, the hard truth is, like, look, first off, investing in the capital markets is fantastic over time. If you plant that tree now or you planted it 20 years ago, it's going to be a huge tree, but it doesn't come without uncertainty. You know, there's always going to be times like this where the world just feels like it's ready to fall off a cliff, but the rewards that come with that I would say outweigh the fact that you have to suffer through some uncertainty like we're experiencing right now. But you know what, Chris, so many people don't learn their lessons. I mean, how many meetings have you and I been in where the client tells us, oh, but by the way, guys, I have 600,000 in tax loss carry forwards because they've traded out of the market every decline. And as soon as they're met with any adversity, they want to do it again. That's a really good point, Dad. And, you know, going back to Ryan's example of the drone, the tree, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. Building wealth doesn't happen overnight. Building a great portfolio doesn't happen instantaneously. It takes practice, it takes discipline, and more importantly, it takes emotional control. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 89, Pain Points of Wealth. Bob, Chris, and I now have a collective 75 years helping individuals just like you with your planning and investing. This is all we do. This is all we think about. 
And everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially literally at any stage of your journey. But if you want a more hands-on approach and you saved over a million dollars for your financial independence plan, Bob, Chris, and I will run for you our total financial master plan, and we'll do that with no obligation or cost if you qualify. It's a full holistic review. We go through every investment you own. In fact, we're going to build you your own personalized financial portal, give you a bird's-eye view of your entire financial life, and we're going to hone in on every single financial issue you have today. We're going to look at fees and taxes. Are you being overcharged on your investments? We're going to do a deep dive of everything you own, show you where those hidden costs are, show you how to optimize your portfolio for taxes, give you our full tax playbook, because it's not what you make, it's what you take. We're going to look at diversification. Did you get hit hard here as markets have sold off? Or are you sitting in cash, earning nothing on your money, paralysis by analysis, figuring out what to do while inflation is high? We're going to put together a full investment game plan, show you how to grow your wealth, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. And we're going to look at a full financial independence plan. Do you have an income plan when you're finally financially independent? We're going to put together a full game plan for retirement, how to draw from your money so you don't run out of money over the rest of your life. Go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan. That's www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. All right. This is the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. All right, Bob. Hendrik Bezenbinder, I hope I said his name right, performed a study on every stock on the New York Stock Exchange and NASDAQ going back to 1926. He found that just 86 stocks accounted for roughly half of the market's total return over 90 years. And all that wealth creation in the stock market can be attributed to 4% of winners in the stock market. That's only a few names. That's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy, Ryan. It's just, even with this big booming bull market we've had over the last 13 years, you've got Companies like AT&T, GE, Cisco, that were all the big winners back in the 90s, aren't even close to getting back to their all-time record highs, let alone even having a good return. So it blows my mind when I see how few stocks account for this tremendous return in wealth creation that's going on in the financial markets. Just makes the case, once again, why you need to be in a diversified index for each area of the market, as opposed to trying to throw a dart at the board or try to beat the monkey putting the finger on the financial pages. It's so alluring, but stock picking is a loser's game. The odds are so grossly against you, it's crazy. Chris, the age of peak TV is ending. A TV director who made $4 million a year now gets $750,000 a year. Mid-budget movies are shelved. TV budgets have dropped more than 30%. The days of the drunken sailor spending are gone, one agent said. I've never seen so many shows canceled and returned. I guess everyone's streaming now. Well, you know what? That's why I got into the financial services industry, because my pilot showed the lifestyles of Ryan Payne. Didn't get past the pilot episode, unfortunately. You know what? They said that the ratings would have been too high. It's not fair for other programs. Let's be honest. Bob, Top Gun is making 2022 a top year for both Tom Cruise and Paramount Pictures. Top Gun Maverick passed $1 billion in global ticket sales, making it the highest grossing film ever for Tom Cruise. And it's the biggest movie for the studio since Transformers Age of Extinction in 2014. Man, it was an awesome movie. I saw it with you guys. Hey, Rod, yeah, it was a great movie. You, Chris, and I got to see it over the holiday. Phenomenal movie to see in an IMAX theater. I remember the first Top Gun movie came out. Your mom had a little shrine in our hallway. You know, Tom Cruise thought he was the most handsome man in Hollywood. I'm not sure if he thinks the same way any longer, but he sure does look good for his age. Yeah, I bet he still does. <laughs> Tom Cruise definitely likes Tom Cruise, but you give him props for his movie. Chris, Bridgewater's flagship hedge fund gained 32% for the first half of the year. 
It's pretty impressive in their firm's pure alpha two fund. These hedge funds love to use the word alpha in all their funds. I digress. The fund has returned 11.4% annualized since its inception in 1991, which is really not that impressive when you consider you could have just bought the S&P 500, which returned 10.6% since 1991. Man, oh man, these hedge funds, you know, they talk about these big returns, but that's not that impressive. Well, it goes back to the old adage, you get ordinary people trying to do extraordinary things. And I suspect that their yield to broker is probably a lot higher than their yield to customer. You know, guys, I was out in the Hamptons not too long ago, and I saw those mansions on the beach. None of them were owned by the S&P 500 index fund. They're all owned by hedge fund managers. <laughs> and their customers, well, maybe some of their customers live out there too, but hedge funds, buyer beware. All right, another great show. If you love our content, like our content, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Leave us a comment. If this is on Spotify, please subscribe. And if this is on YouTube right now, you can subscribe. Click that notification bell so you can be updated every week of our new content and click that little like button. That's it for this week's Pain Points of Wealth. Stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to the Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Oh,